0: Listening to Churchwork Orange with Pastor Rebecca Tucker Motley and Chelsea Holt, Music Director of Orange Presbyterian Church in Orange County, Virginia.
1: Tucker Motley, the the pastor here at Orange Presbyterian Church in Orange, Virginia. I'm
0: Chelsea. I'm the music director at Orange Presbyterian Church, and I'm a pianist and a
1: pseudo-organist in the making. So we've been doing this sermon series based on the hymn, For the Beauty of the Earth. A couple weeks ago, we started with uh, the first verse of the hymn um, for the beauty of the earth I talked about the story of creation in Genesis and how God created all things to be interconnected and we used the song all God's creatures got a place in the choir as a sermon illustration so that's that's a baller song
0: yeah what a slapper yeah <laughs> what is it Celtic Thunder Celtic Thunder Celtic Thunder how do you find Celtic Thunder so, it seems like a Bush
1: Gardens thing. It might have been a Bush Gardens thing. I don't know the origins of how it came into my house. All I know is that one day I was listening to Pandora with my husband, and he has um, a Celtic station that he likes to listen to. AAC. And the song came on, and I just fell in love with it. It was so fun. Nice. Um, it's fast. It's fast, and it's just like. I don't know. It's just like one of those songs that st- like sticks in your head in a good way. So really, I've been trying to sneak it into a sermon, and this just felt like a natural fit.
0: Yeah, and so we actually ended up incorporating the chorus of that song. It's cool. I think it'll be fun to revisit it at the end of the sermon series, too. Um, yeah, I hope so. And see if people will also slap to it.
1: I think so. This church, we've realized, needs a lot of introduction to new music. So I think now that we've done it and established it, hopefully when we revisit it, it'll be not so scary to folks. Yeah,
0: and general question to all the listeners out there who work in the music side of things. How are you introducing your congregation to new music without a bulletin? That's what I want to know. Because if you're deviating from the hymnal and you're not printing a bulletin at this time because hashtag COVID... Then it's like, how are are you introducing music outside of the hymnal? How are you doing it? I want to know. Just let us know.
1: It's also important to know that we do not currently use screens, mm. so we do not have any sort of visual aid.
0: Yeah, for since this is like episode one, we should kind of paint the picture of Orange.
1: We are in a very small town, um, in rural Virginia, in the foothills of the Appalachian. Appalachian. Who cares? <laughs> the AT yeah this is a very old town and a very old church we're 175 years old and we've some of the original members are still around <laughs> <laughs> true true and we love them we love them they're all really good people um but like most presbyterian churches nowadays especially small presbyterian churches it's an older congregation. Chelsea and I are like by far
0: <laughs> the, youngest,
1: the youngest. Oh, we do have some kids though.
0: Your kids.
1: My kids and and a couple of other kids will show up occasionally. Yeah, some
0: stragglers.
1: Yeah, we used to have a pretty solid group, but hashtag COVID.
0: Yeah. Um. It it do change some things. Yes, it do. Yike. Cool. So. We don't have screens. That was the purpose of that. We don't have way. screens
1: because we just—it's. What is that? Pick your battles.
0: Yeah, but also <laughs> it would be a whole thing. Like,
1: wh- well, right, where, where would, would we put, put
0: them? Put them. You know, yeah. electricity is usually involved.
1: Internet. Why we don't I? have internet. Right. In, yeah. Right now. I um, mean, we have
0: internet in the office for people. Like, it's twenty twenty one. We get it, but we don't have internet in the place of worship, which. You know, there's a different conversation there.
1: Right. Interestingly enough, we had looked into getting internet or Wi-Fi in the sanctuary, um, but it's such a lengthy process. And because of hashtag COVID, everything is, like, Mm backordered. And so so if we contracted somebody today and said, we want you to put Wi-Fi in our sanctuary, it probably wouldn't be until, like, Advent. Yikes. So it might be something to consider now because advent (laughs) um but currently it is it is what it is
0: so if you're out there and if you're listening and you also belong to a small rural church without screens and you're also introducing music that maybe extends beyond whatever hymnal you're using uh let us know what what you're what you're doing because all brains are welcome here Absolutely, uh,
1: But let's get back to the purpose of this whole podcast, which is to talk about your sermon series. Hey, it all it all factors in together. Because as any good preacher knows, you don't preach in a vacuum. Everything that happens in the church affects your sermon. Um, and hopefully your sermon will affect what happens on the outside of the So tell us the... how
0: you're preparing for your upcoming sermon called No Wi-Fi in the Sanctuary. No
1: Wi-Fi in the Sanctuary. This totally
0: reminds me of the song... It was called In the Sanctuary, and this was when I belonged to a Southern Baptist church. (laughs) And we did this song, and I don't remember any of the lyrics except for the part that was like, in the sanctuary, so it was like, we clap our hands in the sanctuary, (laughs) but obviously the song is just like, itching to be made fun of, right? So it's like, no food or drink in the sanctuary. There's no Wi-Fi in this sanctuary. Anyway, that's a complete aside. So swearing. you were telling us... Let's get us back on track here. You were telling yeah. us about this sermon series for the beauty of the earth.
1: Right. So we covered the first week pretty well. So last week was really interesting um, because it was 4th of July and that's always kind of a interesting dynamic between church and national holidays of, you know what is that going to look like? Should we acknowledge it? Should we not acknowledge it? I tend to err on the side of not acknowledging things like that because frankly, I'm here to worship Jesus, not worship, you know, a national holiday, you know, regardless of my personal feelings about the national holiday, you know, I think there's a time and place and Sunday morning is a time we gather to worship God and all God's children instead of just a particular, holiday or nationality or anything like that. So I, when I realized that July 4th was a Sunday, you know, just kind of making the conscious effort of this is not an Independence Day worship service. This is still a service of the Lord. The The second verse of For the Beauty of the Earth, Chelsea, would you mind reading that for me? For the wonder of each hour of the day
0: and of the night, hill and vale and tree and flower, sun and moon and stars of light, Lord of all to thee we raise
1: this our hymn of grateful praise. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, so I wanted to focus on the sun and the moon and the stars just because that's a really big part of that verse. So just kind of, you know, Google search Bible stories about the sun and the moon and that's, that's how I did it. I'm not ashamed. Love Google. Google. Well, there's a pretty interesting story in the book of Joshua about how God holds the sun still in the sky for a day. So Joshua and the people of Israel can defeat the Amorite army that has attacked them. So I wanted to focus on that story because it's a really interesting story that doesn't really get a lot of airtime necessarily. The problem is it's a really tricky story. It it's really tricky because it's about you know killing people and how God sanctioned killing people and you know the whole concept of Israel taking over this land that people already lived on and so as I'm reading through this passage, you know it's kind of one of those passages that it, that it's like a a challenge like I'm gonna face this challenge head on <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> head on apply directly to the forehead. <laughs> Exactly. I thought I needed that after writing the sermon. And I realized that I couldn't do this sermon by myself. I I just it was too much. So what I did was I just wrote down everything that this sermon brought to mind. Everything. You know, I talked about how the book of Joshua mirrored this doctrine of discovery that we in modern times are kind of coming to reconciliation with of, you know, really we live on land stolen by, from indigenous tribes. And that's kind of what's happening here, right? Joshua and the Israelites are taking this land from people who already live there. Um, but it's according to the book of Joshua, sanctioned by God. You know, it's also talking about how God kind of allowed and even actively killed people these people and just really problematic. So what I did was I just wrote down everything that came to mind, every problematic aspect, every angle I could go from. And then I sent it to a good friend of mine, who's also a pastor. And I said, Hey, can you help me piece this together? And so we had a really long conversation about, well, this is what you could do. This is what you could do. This is what I was preaching. My friend said, this is how I would do it. And so just kind of working in conversation with another person really helped Fit together what it is I'm trying to say, and it was really I felt thought, thought it was a really interesting sermon about how the book of Joshua really is the story of hope for a people who have been oppressed, um, and how we in our modern times, you know, white American Christians, I hate to break it to you, we are not oppressed, but oppression happens around us, and so how can we be advocates, and how can we be workers in this time where justice needs to prevail and i kind of redefined holy war so instead of holy war being this sanctioning of god allowing of god sanctioning killing it's god calling us into this war against injustice against oppression so that's that was my take on it and yeah
0: I was in the congregation listening to the sermon. Can confirm, spicy, good, loved it. Thank you. Um, I think it was like a really great way of acknowledging the kind of elephant in the room.
1: My homiletics professor told me, or not just me, the whole class, that there's always two sermons on Sunday morning, the one that's preached and the one that's heard. Oh, um, yeah, that's so I have no control over over how people receive the sermon. And in fact, I was telling my husband the other day, you know, I can see everything that's going on out in the congregation. Yep. and Especially
0: especially <laughs> people who are, like, the few people who are not wearing masks, right?
1: Oh, well, yeah, and that doesn't... We can cut that out. That but, doesn't bother me as long as they're, like, sitting still. Sure, <laughs> like, sure, just sure. stay in your own little bubble. Yeah, yeah. But I always, like, people where, you know, you can see people's reactions, and you can see people leaning over and whispering to each other. And it's like, I kind of want to know what you're saying. <laughs> Like I I don't want to call people out but it's like right. what did Barely that make scaring. you think yes. like wh- how did that make you react um and like I wouldn't it, I wouldn't be an effective preacher if people weren't reacting Sure um and so like I'm glad people are but it's also like just out of curiosity like what are you getting out of this yeah. like, like,
0: <laughs> which is it's kind of funny for me to hear this because this is I mean, everybody listening to this podcast who' set foot in a church knows that there's a culture of where you sit in the church, oh right? yes, so I just want to describe my viewpoint. I'm the church pianist, music person, whatever, what have you, and so I sit in a way that is very close to the piano and where the piano is located. Basically, I can't see anyone because I'm in the front row. It's kind of entertaining for me to hear that you see people whispering because I'm like, ooh, I want to know who's whispering, but I'll never know because I'll sit in the front. But... <laughs> you can
1: come sit up there with me. Yeah. And... <laughs> I'll have a new place just for the gossip collector. Take notes,
0: right? Just kidding. No gossip culture. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think it worked well. And the accompanying hymns that went along with Joshua when we were sitting down and planning... Was pretty tricky, right? Right, it was, yeah. We, we, I remember turning to Google, and Google was starting to fail us. Yeah, so
1: those of you who are not familiar with the hymnal we use, we use the Presbyterian Glory to God hymnal. And in the back of the hymnal, there's this really lovely le- um lexic- Not what, what am I Lexionary trying to say? Lectionary resource. Lectionary resource that has, you know, these Bible passages kind of coincide with these hymns. Uh, and, and it... Breaks it down by books of the Bible. If you turn to Joshua, there's like nothing. nothing. There is absolutely nothing. So. Right.
0: And so then other the other so it's called the lectionary index by the way. Okay. And if you use this, it's on page nine hundred sixty nine. Glory to God has a corresponding app, and the app actually has a pretty cool resource as well, where you can type in a word off the beaten path and it'll go through and re- it'll return that search to be about anything. So we found ourselves, or I was using the Glory to God app and I was searching things like sun. Right. right? Sun and moon. <laughs> sun and yeah. moon. Um, and just to, just to get there. Um, but we ended up using hymn number 530 which is called one bread one body did we use that just, just kidding the one percent- that was last. that was 23 week, we did use 23 i was looking at that i'm like that didn't return um sorry fam um that's for next sunday we will be using that this sunday spoiler alert this was god you spin the whirling planets and for music nerds out there this one's kind of a bop because it feels pretty modal so um, it kind of feels like you're in E flat major, right? Which is the actual chord structure underneath. But it, the way it kind of walks down, it's kind of got this like minor happening. Um, we can probably edit this out. I don't know if people are going to care. But it's pretty fun. So it's called God, You Spin the Whirling Planets, Fill the Seasons, Spread the Plain, Mold the Mountains, Fashion Blossoms, Call Forth Sunshine, Wind, and Rain we created in your image what a true reflection be of your justice grace and mercy and the truth that makes us free so it's got that justice piece in there yeah um that i feel tied into your sermon pretty well um which was kind of cool and then the other one that we used was it it's was it six something sure i hold on i got it written down
1: Six seventy, yeah,
0: like, yeah. six seventy. Oh, th- From yeah. This the rising of the sun. From yeah. the rising of the sun. This one's based off of Psalm one thirteen. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It feels, uh, it feels
1: pretty modern. Um, I really like that one. I really wanted to just be like, play that one again and like do yeah. it. But it's a short one. We need to like have like some sort of like eye contact so, or yeah. signal and be like, hey, let's run that again. That yeah, was fun. Let's do it one more time.
0: <laughs> Yeah, so those are the those are the uh, the hymns that we chose, um, which was which was cool. From the rising mm-hmm. of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. Um, Praise the Lord from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. And this is great because it's brief, but also it's repetitive. So if you have a congregation that yeah. has a little trouble latching on to hymns, uh, then this is kind of a good one to pull.
1: Yeah. It was
0: fun. So what are you going to preach on this Sunday? Or are we not done talking about last Sunday? Talk to me here.
1: Well, the only other thing I wanted to say about last Sunday was it was also a communion Sunday. True. Um, and I love communion, um, obviously. Well, I don't know if that's obvious or not. But just communion is just such a great moment where we just really acknowledge our oneness together. You know, oneness together as a congregation, but also our oneness with Christ. Um, and it's just been really sad Not being able to do communion in a way that is reflective feels communal, right? Because we've been having to use these little like lunchable things, where the it's a little cup with the juice and then the wafer is on top. If If you're
0: looking for this juice in stores, it's called Jesus juice. It's disgusting. (laughs)
1: Um, like it's handy and I get it and I we used it, but it's not great. So this Sunday, so sorry. Backstory. Last month, my sweet husband, I saw him moving around during my sermon last (laughs) month. We do communion once a month, the first Sunday of each month. And he's moving around as I'm trying to preach. And it is, pastors, let me hear you. Shout amen. It is the most distracting when your family is the one that is moving around. When your kids are the one that are making noise and you're just up there completely out of control of the situation and I'm just turning red and trying to focus and my husband's like moving around and doing everything and I'm like sit down what are you doing? Like giving him the stink eye from all the way anyway after the sermon this is last month he comes up to me as we're singing the song and he whispers in my ear and he said the juice in these little pre communions had gone bad and there was mold in them mm-hmm. and so he was trying to like hit it head on and get an alternative before I had to panic. Right. So, pastors, my spouse was doing something that bothered me, but he was trying to yeah. help. So I confessed my sin of being <laughs> of being mad at him for no reason. Yes, the eleventh commandment: <laughs> Thou shalt not be mad at your spouse. Thou shall not be mad at your spouse about something they did in your dream. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So anyway, this month, fast forward to this month. We knew we couldn't use the pre-packaged stuff because it was gross. So we were trying to figure out what to do. So I went to the store and I splurged, y'all. Mm. I got the good stuff. I got the Welch's Whoa. grape juice that was made for communion. It's a fine dining experience. Fine dining. And the church I grew up in, we had we used the little um oyster crackers for communion because they're really convenient because they're kind of small you can pick it up. It's a good little a little snack. So I got those. So I got the Welch's grape juice and paired it with these oyster crackers. And um, we were trying to figure out what we're gonna do. Are we gonna have people pick it up beforehand and take it to the seat with them? Well, we decided we are feeling safe enough that we can actually pass out the elements during communion. And so for the first time, Since March twenty twenty, we got to take from the same plate and drink from the same cup. It wasn't the same as Intinction, but it was just it was so much better than having to have those little prepackaged sugar-free things. Also, just
0: while we're on the topic of communion and I'm point I'm just punting questions out into the universe of musical directors. Uh, If you're the person who is playing the piano, directing the choir, whatever you do, how are you doing communion? Now, we've been doing communion. uh, We've been approaching communion silently and contemplatively over the pandemic. But before, I'm just thinking a flashback to all the times that I was having to play music at the piano. And someone's, like, passing out grape juice. They're putting it on the piano. And I'm like, when am I supposed to drink this? Like, I'm playing piano throughout this entire time, you know? So... If you're out there listening to this and you've ever experienced how awkward it can be to be the church music providing the, the soundtrack for communion and then having to realize that uh, there's never a good time for you to reach over and take your elements, uh, <laughs> let me know. Because I just want to know. I want to know what people are doing. I'm not currently having that problem anymore because we're exper- experimenting and experiencing yeah. silent communion. but. There was a time, and there may be a time again where it's, there's never a good time for the musician to take the elements. Well, right.
1: And I had um, a professor in seminary, and this is not a dig at you at all. It was just amazing how talented he was. He was the worship, <laughs> profe- worship and music dean of chapel. He, would, he could continue play so he would grab something what? and drink it real quick as, as he's playing and, like, seamlessly. But he's been doing it for, like, 30 years, so, so at some funny. point he just figured it out. But, yeah, it was just amazing to watch. He'd just be like... Ah. Oh, man. For those of you who didn't see what I just did... <laughs> yeah, we have to
0: recognize the medium here. <laughs> right? uh, yeah, if this were a YouTube video, you'd be able to see, but, alas, it did not happen.
1: Yeah. Um anyway so so moving on to this coming week um, yeah
0: what are we up to this
1: will be fun do you want to read the third thing yeah so
0: we're doing we're continuing for the beauty of the earth uh, and I will say if you are someone out there who you know while I've got the musical floor here if you're someone out there who is trying to create uh, a good musical environment for uh, maybe a church that is not easily latching onto music one thing that i've found that i seems to be working well is that we pick one hymn that we repeat not for six months because that has happened before i've been in churches where like (laughs) the church i had i was uh, attending growing up we sang i'm a part of the family of god which was in the southern baptist hymnal and we sang it every sunday for like 10 years before somebody vetoed uh, because it was our equivalent of passing the piece, oh, okay. so we sang that song. But one thing that we have found that seems to be working well is we'll pick a corresponding hymn that we repeat every Sunday throughout a sermon series or throughout a season, um, and that seems to be working here at OPC. So at least yeah. when you come in and you know we have three hymns, you know which you know at least one of them, which I think is helpful. So we're gonna be continuing for the beauty of the earth. But then we're also gonna be doing five thirty, one bread, one body. Do you have anything to say about that one? Is that corresponding <laughs> to your
1: sermon? Yeah, so if you wanna read read the the third verse of For yeah. the Beauty of the Earth, and that way I can kind of like explain how it's all how it's all working together. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you make all things work together for my good. What is that from?
1: Uh Romans eight.
0: <laughs> I just have this random song snippet from probably like Christian arts, Oh and I don't even know what it is. Okay. Uh so the third verse of For the Beauty of the Earth. For the joy of ear and eye, for the heart and mind's delight, for the mystic harmony linking sense to sound and sight, Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise.
1: Awesome. So this week we're going to be focusing on the body. The, the passage we'll be preaching on is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. I won't read it all since it's pretty lengthy, but it's basically when Paul talks about that the body consists of many members um, and the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you. Yeah, you can, you can look it up if you're unfamiliar with that, but it's a really interesting passage about it, the interconnectedness of the body and how um, there's no part that's greater or less. They all have to work together um, to be the body. And so we're going to be focusing on what it means to be the body of Christ, right? Not just individually, but as a church. And being one church as a member of the church universal. Uh, So when I say church universal, I mean like big C church. So I'm not talking denomination or anything like that. I'm talking about anybody who subscribes to Jesus Christ as their Lord and savior, as part of the church, big C church. And we are one church within one denomination, within the Protestant reformation, within the whole Christendom that is part of this body. But sometimes, when we think about our own body, sometimes there are different parts of the body that don't work correctly. For either long periods of time or short periods of time, I'm gonna talk about this concept of neuroplasticity, which is the idea that like, sometimes the brain has to overcompensate um, when one part of the brain is damaged for whatever reason. So like if the part of your brain that controls your right arm is damaged, the body will has a way to overcompensate. And just this idea that as one part of the body of the Big C Church, sometimes we need to take a step back. Sometimes we stop functioning correctly. Whether that's because of tragedy, which, hello, we've all been through a year and a half of tragedy. Or whether that's because you know we're just so exhausted because we've just stretched ourselves too thin. Or whatever reason. So, I'm mean, just going to talk about the idea that as one member of the body of Christ. If we need to take a break, that's okay. Because we have the body to rely on. So like the neuroplasticity of the body of Christ. When one member stops functioning for a short period of time, the body can overcompensate. So we have our siblings in Christ to rely on. We have our our sister churches that we can rely on. But we can't stay in that place. We can't stay in the place of we're not going to do anything. We need to rest because at that point we stop functioning as the church. So it's a very pastoral sermon about just this need. Maybe it's time that we just take a break and take a rest, take a breather. And then hopefully that means that we can come back stronger. So there are different preaching styles. There's, there's a prophetic style where you really talk about like social justice issues, social issues, really like pound the pavement of boots on the ground stuff. And then there's a pastoral, which is more comforting, more um, individualized, almost um, just like taking time to like renew and rejuvenate the the feelings of the congregation. Oftentimes, you know, you can do both within one sermon, right? There's no such thing. Like, there's this this idea that you can only preach prophetically or you can only preach pastorally. Like, I don't think that's true. I think you can, if you're if you know what you're doing, you can do both effectively. However, there are sermons that are much more prophetic and then there are sermons that are much more pastoral. So whenever I do a really, really prophetic sermon, like I did this past week, I try to kind of uh, mirror or uh, do the next Sunday as a really, really pastoral sermon because what you don't want to do is just keep pounding your people and keep pounding your people and say, hey, social justice and uh, things are ha- people are dying because then that just leads to people going, ah, uh, right. okay, I don't know what to do right now. And so that's just you know part of knowing your people is knowing not to push too hard, mm. um, and not to preach in a way that your people just stop listening to you completely because they're so overwhelmed or they're so just like confused about what's going on. So I'm this this coming up Sunday is going I'm going to attempt to be much more pastoral and much more um, just calm I guess for lack of a better term, you know because it is it is really scary and stressful to think about just everything that's just. world is literally on fire right now and those things are really important and we need to focus on them but we also have to pace ourselves because just like the body has different functions again if this were youtube you could see that i'm doing the robot right now (laughs) you know we as one church can't do everything and so yeah that's that's the hope is that this sermon will kind of relay the idea of like it's okay if we need to take a break, we can rely on the body so that we can do what we need to do to recover and then come back stronger.
0: And because we're talking about taking a break, we're ta- I'm taking a break from music on Sunday. Just kidding. <laughs> Just hold on. <laughs> we don't have any music happening. Uh that's a lie. Um but yeah, so that's kind of where 530 comes comes into. Uh one bread, one body. Uh, one Lord of all, one cup of blessing which we bless, and we though many throughout the earth, we are one body in this one Lord, uh so that's kind of tying into that first part about how big c like mm. we are one church, uh Orange Presbyterian is one church, but we are a part of a much greater organism, yeah, <laughs> can we call it an organism? Sure, it's lively,
1: yeah, it's alive, it's a living it's a living thing.
0: And then from that, 733 is the last one that we are incorporating, which is called, we are one in mission. We all are one in mission. We all are one in call. Our varied gifts united by Christ, the Lord of all. A single great commission compels us from above to plan and work together that all may know Christ's love, Uh, which I think speaks to that, what the mission really is when the body is functioning Mm -hmm. and full um, and and really reminds us of our place within Big C, which is serving that that one mission, which is pretty fancy. Yeah.
1: yeah. So when we when we sit down to choose hymns, you know, we try not to be arbitrary and just say like, oh, this is a fun hymn, or this people like singing this hymn. You know, there's an intentionality behind the choices that we make, um, and not just hymns, but the prayers that we pray, the liturgies that we say together you know when there's an intentionality behind that when the sermon's or when the service seems cohesive to me you know that's just a way to use our time in a way that's um that shows that there's care behind it you know i i don't think that god necessarily cares of like oh i heard this song 3 weeks ago i can't believe you're singing it again you know i don't yeah. know that, but i do <laughs> feel like you know god has given us time and talent and skills and by using those effectively you know, we we praise God. And so by using our resources and using our skills to to create a service that is cohesive, you know, to me, that's saying, I care enough about the worship of God that this is going to feel like it fits, that it is intentional, that there's thought behind it. And so anyway, that's just the thought behind, that's, that's just how I approach service planning. Um, and it's great to have Chelsea who I feel like, are, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like you agree with that. And, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I can also speak words out of mine.
1: Yeah. Uh, please now. do. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. I will say as a music facilitator, this can feel like it has a new set of challenges, right? Because one thing that um is helpful for smaller congregations is to have that dependability on you know rotating frequently the same hymns because people will be are familiar with them right um I, it can be tough when you're introducing new new hymnals new music um especially for a smaller congregation but I will say the it for me not that I took a large amount of persuading but from my point of view it's approaching a worship experience as a worship experience versus a worship entertainment right Mm -hmm. because I think uh, I've been in churches before where the music selections were much more arbitrary it's whatever the praise band felt like playing and then sometimes it doesn't line up at all with the sermon and then it's like you find yourself in a situation where maybe your pastor has preached on something very contemplative and somber even and then you're going to end with this is the day the Lord has made and it just kind of feels like a disconnect. So obviously that's another extreme that didn't happen all the time. But if you're out there and you're thinking I am a small church. I want to make my services more cohesive and intentional but I don't know where to start. I would say the first thing is find a hymn that can serve for a longer period of time, maybe your pastor will preach on a sermon series that's a really great time, but also too, even though we introduce new hymns very frequently, there are several that we go back to right because right. churches each small church has its own culture, the pastor will frequently preach on. Maybe it's like it's a, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's a goal for you to preach on social justice issues. So there are obviously ones that we return to yeah. for everyone born is a really great one. So if you're afraid that you don't know where to start, I would say that once you start the process, that's probably the scariest part because you'll find that when your pastor has certain topics that they return to, it's very easy to put in a familiar hymn.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and also take advantage of the fact that there are liturgical seasons, right? So, it and there are seasons within seasons. So, um, you know, there's Advent, which is a wonderful time to introduce some of these um you know, hymns that are more familiar to folks. Um, you know, there's, there's always that debate of do we sing Christmas songs in the season of Advent? And that's, you know, every church's battle to fight within themselves. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you one we'll, way or we'll another.
0: We'll get there. We'll get we'll closer <laughs> to Advent. We'll talk.
1: Yeah, but just like, I, I enjoy ordinary time because it has kind of more freedom to do sermon series um, and to just kind of explore topics but then like in Lent, you know, there's lots and lots of familiar Linton songs. And so, you know, it's hopefully it's not as constraining as, oh, it has to be, it has to fit perfectly because that's just not gonna happen. But, you know, just something that's like at least on topic um, and just be, just having these great conversations with Chelsea. And I, I hope that, um, you know, more likely than not, pastors and music directors are having good conversations and good relationships because when that happens, it's a really great, positive experience for everybody. Yeah, and I there's one thing I would add to that because I
0: think this kind of part of this audio experience is talking about really like the purpose of why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say one, one thing that'll help fill in the picture of how we do things is that the sermon leads, right? The, Mm. the sermon is the priority. Um, of course if there is an impassioned piece of music that I'm vibing with, I'll speak up. And if there's an impassioned piece of music that uh, Rebecca's vibing with she'll speak of but I will say something that I think is important to note is that the pastor leading these conversations is the way that you get a cohesive service
1: yeah well I'm really excited for the rest of this sermon series we have two more Sundays um, but that might be a topic for another podcast because it seems like we've been we've been vibing for, for a, a minute um it's been 41 minutes yeah but we'll cut so, it down
0: yeah It'd be super easy yeah, cool and we're excited to take you on this journey of planning thoughtful services maybe give you ideas on uh how to interpret lectionary that's rebecca's wheelhouse
1: yeah all right well join us t- next, time. next time i was gonna say see you later but that's not appropriate <laughs> okay bye